quest for gold. I'm Ryan Burrow. We continue to march to the Summer Games in Tokyo. This week, Japan's Prime Minister announced the Olympic torch relay scheduled in the city of Osaka has been canceled amid a resurgence of COVID-19 cases. Emergency measures have been put into place in the city, including shortening business hours and asking people to work from home. They're also being told to refrain from activities like singing karaoke. Osaka has seen a surge in cases among people in their 20s and 30s. It was a rough week for U.S. soccer. The men's U-23 team fell to Honduras in the CONCACAF semifinal 2-1. The winner secured an automatic bid to Tokyo. For the U.S., it's the third consecutive summer games the men's team has not qualified a team. The USA foil fencing rosters have been finalized. Four women, four men. The men's team took bronze in Rio in 2016. The U.S. women's basketball team is wrapping up a training camp in San Antonio. They've qualified for 5v5 but have yet to set the roster. Wrestling trials are underway in Fort Worth this weekend. There are qualifying Olympic bids on the line. I did reach out to Robbie Smith, who we spoke to in episode 43 to wish him luck. He and his wife did have a baby in March, a boy named Cooper. Unfortunately, Cooper does have some health issues they're working through. They've set up a GoFundMe page. At last check, a very supportive wrestling community has donated more than $40,000 to help them out. I have put a link up on the website. You can go back and listen to that conversation, by the way, episode 43. Chicago Blackhawks general manager Stan Bowman has been named the GM of the U.S. men's hockey team ahead of the 2022 games in China. On this week's Quest for Gold Athlete Spotlight, we take a jog out to Colorado. That's where marathoner Jake Riley is training for Tokyo. He's already punched his ticket for Japan, but right now he's trying to help his home community of Boulder heal from a horrific tragedy. You were one of the first people to qualify for the Olympics in 2020. Everything seemed to be going great for you. I'm here in Chicago. You ran a, a terrific race uh, in 2019 here. Um, you know, you, you went on to the uh, Olympic qualifications. You, you did everything you needed to. Then the pandemic hits. And so you got your ticket in hand. You're ready to go to Tokyo when the pandemic hits. Um, you know, while a lot of athletes are still trying to figure out whether or not they're going, uh, you knew uh, you had qualified. And, and now you have to kind of sit on your hands and, and wait, I guess. What, what has this last year been like, uh, that, that long wait for the, for the games to actually happen? Well, first, there was the concern over whether or not uh, – our place in the team would be honored, right? There was a lot of discussion as to whether or not we needed to have like another trials because, you know, a year is a long time to wait. You know, people can get hurt or get injured or lose fitness or whatever it is. So the first bit was, are they going to honor the spot in the team? And then like, yes, yes, we're going to, we're going to let you guys stay on the team. But then after that, I mean, and the rumors are still flying around, like every couple months, a different rumor comes out, like, Oh, they're not going to have the games. They're going to have the games, but it's going to be in different cities or, you know, like, so most of the time it's been just, let's just hope they have the games. If they have the games, then that's, that's great. And so, um, I don't know. I think there's certainly been a lot of like frustration, a little bit of kind of depression, especially room that, that big surge back last winter where like, it really looked like everybody was having a really rough time. Japan went downhill pretty fast. And, you know, a lot of the rumblings came out that like, they're really debating whether or not they're going to have the games at all. So, Honestly, at this point, I'm just jazzed that it's it's going to be going off. And so, you know, having to maintain focus through that, because until somebody comes to me and says, you need to stop training because like the games are officially not happening, I have to prepare as if they are. So with that sort of uncertainty and, you know, not a whole lot of racing opportunities to kind of take my mind off of it, like finding the, like the real, I guess, running motivated has been tough to do. So, you know, I think as a professional, um, 
you get used to not worrying about motivation a lot of the time. Like if I had to be inspired every day to get out to go to run, like it would, I would run like one day a week or whatever. Cause you know, a lot of the time if it's cold or I'm tired or whatever it is, like it's not that fun. So I'm pretty good at sort of going through the motions for a long amount of time and just sort of putting in the work. But if I really want to make something special happen, like I have to be motivated and like, uh, have something that I really want to train for to get excited about. And there hasn't really been a whole lot of that, you know, just like the rest of America been dealing with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear, like, um, you know, not being able to see family and have a lot of the support system sort of in person that I had before. So yeah, staying motivated and like excited to run has been a little bit difficult. Now, you know, a lot of things seem to be coming together, right? The vaccines up, we're out of the snow right now. Games seem like unless a, really big thing happens like they're going to go off so now i'm starting to get that excitement get that you know tingle in the tummy but for a long time it was just kind of this long dark tunnel where i just kind of put my head down and just went out on runs because i run every day and that's just what i do and you just kind of have to tell yourself that like eventually something's going to be for sure but for now you just got to kind of put one foot in front of the other was the training interrupted i mean you're 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 in a unique sport where you know, as long as you've got pavements or maybe you don't even need pavements, uh, you know, you, you, you're able to get out, I would assume during the pandemic, you don't need a pool, you don't need a court. Were, were you able to continue your training at the, at the same pace it was, um, pre-pandemic? Yeah, that's, you know, we were concerned for a little while there that we were going to have lockdowns kind of like Italy and a lot of the European countries did where like you get to go out for half an hour a day or something, but you know, once that was not going to be the case, yeah, I running is really nice in that you don't really need a whole lot. So long as, like you said, I have like an open road or, you know, some trails or something like that. And Boulder is fantastic because we have a lot of trails. Like I can get in pretty much everything I need to get in. You know, I also try to do quite a bit of like strength training. So having access to a gym and so kind of navigating that space has been a little bit of tough, but, you know, I just kind of stocked up on free weights. And so I can do most of what I need to do here in the house if I can't get into the gym. So, um, yeah, my training was pretty much, you know, status quo for, for most of the winter. The only thing that kind of had to change is normally you kind of set up a block so that you're training for one sort of goal race and you kind of have like a, a full long kind of build up, and then you peak and then you kind of take some downtime because it's just sort of perpetually training with nothing really to train for, you end up getting a little bit stale, but with the pandemic, like races getting canceled all over the place, you know, you wouldn't potentially even know like a week out whether or not the race was still going to go off. So finding something to really train for was a little bit of a challenge, but you know, I'm in the unique position that I don't have to like really prove fitness. I don't have to be in the pinnacle of shape for some sort of qualifying race the Olympics was like, we have this date here. So at the end of the day, just as long as I'm ready by August 8th, I'm good as opposed to a lot of the other track, track athletes out there. What, what about the financial aspect of it? I know, you know, sponsorships may have dried up. I know that in some cases, and, and I don't know how it works with you. I know with triathletes, they get paid to race. And when there are no races, they don't get paid. How, how did that all shake down for you? And how has it been over this pandemic? Well, pre-Olympic trials, I was unsponsored. So I was supporting myself uh, working part-time as an SAT tutor. So post-trials, obviously, there's like this really big high, like, oh, my gosh, like, I can write my own ticket. We're going to have companies competing all over the place. 
And then every company was like, well, hold on now. We're going to have to wait for like a couple months here to see how this is going to affect our, our bottom line. Now I was lucky enough to sign with, you know, uh, on running. So I have a sponsor now. So my financial situation is honestly better than it was before the pandemic. Cause before I was, you know, essentially I got paid pretty well, but it's, you know, a part-time job because I tried to maintain flexibility for training and stuff. So I'm in a significantly better position than I was, which I think very few people can, can say, um, so, you know, there may be fewer sponsorship opportunities outside of like this, this main shoe sponsor, but, and, and then also I think the other big thing is we don't get paid to race, but we certainly get bonuses for placing high or running fast times and the opportunities for, for that kind of stuff. And then, you know, like a race like Chicago would normally pay me to come out and, and start. And then there'd be time bonuses on top of that. So kind of the maximum amount that I could wait, make has certainly dried up a little bit, which is a little bit unfortunate because now that I have Olympian next to my name, my uh, my appearance fee goes goes way up. So I was kind of looking forward to being able to capitalize that and put a little bit away. But at the same time, like I can pay rent and uh, not have to worry about it. So uh, I'm feeling pretty good about where I am. What what is the communication been like with USOPC? Um, you know about these games, about everything leading up to the games. Are you feeling confident that? First of all, they've got your best interests in mind. And second of all, that these games are going to happen. Or are you still kind of on the fence? I know, I know you kind of said that when you wake up, it's always a challenge, you know, mentally trying to prepare. But, you know, a majority of the time, how are you feeling about the progression of this year? Uh, I feel pretty good right now. Um, like, it seems like, well, for one, Japan, it sounds like they're going to lose twice as much money if they don't put on the games, even if they do it without spectators, which they're going to do it without spectators now. But like, they keep coming out with new types of um, you know, guidelines. So there's sort of the guidelines for how athletes are going to interact at, uh, within the village. They just came out with spectator guidelines. And I don't think they'd be making all of those sorts of rule preparations if they weren't fully prepared to have the games go off. So it seems like everything's already set up. You know, uh, in terms of what the USOPC has been sending us, a lot of it kind of depends on what Japan is willing to do. So I think they've kind of had to hedge their bets a little bit and I'll be perfectly honest because of all the kind of the, the rumors that head around. So all this uncertainty, I kind of tried to put my head down a little bit because ultimately until a final, final decision was made, like I said, I have to train as if I'm going to be racing. So to hear like, Oh, some in- official somewhere said that maybe the games aren't going to go off, like hearing those rumors every two weeks, isn't particularly good for sort of my emotional headspace. So for the most part, I kind of ignore a lot of stuff until somebody tells me something concrete, um, which I don't know, maybe the USOPC doesn't really want to hear that. But like a lot of those emails just kind of stack up in my inbox because a lot of times it's like, well, we're still waiting on uh, to hear, but prepare as if you're going to. And so, yeah, there's not really a whole lot I can do about that. Are they still testing? Are they still doing doping testing during all of this? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, they've come around with a full face shield on the mask and everything, but yeah, I got tested last week. Oh, really? So, so you have to set up a testing window where you're going to be available. They don't have to test you at that time. Um, but mine to make sure that I was going to be at home and there weren't going to be any issues with it. I set mine at 7am. So uh, at that time I was actually planning to wake up later than that. So I got woken up by the guy coming by to test me. Um, and so, yeah, you don't get any notice about it, but if you're like, you you kind of know the, the name of the game and the consequences for, for not showing up with the test are pretty harsh. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a kind of a surprise, but at the same time, you just, it's the name of the beast and, uh, doping is a big enough threat that I, I'm happy to put up with, 
you know, the inconvenience of having somebody watch me pee every couple of weeks. Couple, couple generic running questions for, from you. For those who want to know, uh, I may be one of them. Uh, number one, what do you think about when you run? Because all I think about when I'm running is how much longer until this is over? How much, how much time is left? When is it, where is the finish line? What do you think about? I mean, are you able to, to, do you completely zone out? Are there things you're thinking about? Do you let your mind wander? How does, how does it, what's going on up here? Yeah. Um, it can depend a little bit. So I see there's been a lot of controversy countries recently. So we just had a shooting here in Boulder. There was also the the shooting of the uh, massage parlors in Atlanta. So on mornings where something big like that happens, a lot of times I'm really angry. So I'll be just kind of like churning over the problems of America and having little debates in my head. And that'll usually get me, I don't know, anger is a, a decent fuel and kind of running is one of my therapies. And so I kind of like run that anger out will sometimes be what happens. Um, but you know, more often than that, uh, especially like today I was feeling really good. I was in the zone, I was cruising. Um, and so on days like that, I start to think about, you know, what's the next race going to be. So in this case, I've spent the last year kind of visualizing Tokyo and all its various forms. What's the start line going to feel like? What's it going to be like mid race? Like who am I going to be racing against at the very end? What's that finishing stretch going to look like? Um, and so, yeah, when I'm, when I'm really, the, the runs that are the best are me just thinking about racing, getting excited to race. Um, yeah, I can usually get the, the adrenaline flowing and all of a sudden my pace is dropped by 30 seconds. And then if none of that works, then yeah, the mind just kind of, I, I honestly can't really tell you because I think one of the keys to getting better at running as much as I do is just sort of letting your mind wander and just kind of click over and do whatever it wants. So yeah. I, at the end of a run, I probably remember half of what I thought about during it. Um, it's almost so like a dream, like, it sounds like. It's like you just kind of, you hit the yeah, zone, you your body starts moving. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know that you're starting to get a little bit fit when you can do that. Because, yeah, when you start running, it always feels like absolute garbage and your body hurts and you don't want to do it anymore. And then as you start to get a little bit of that, that fitness going, um, you can kind of let your mind wander and your body takes care of itself. Um, what about, uh, so you, you're not thinking about like your body's feeling, you're not feeling like certain particular muscles tighten up. You're not feeling like the bottom of your feet or anything like that. When things are feeling good. So I have been dealing with a little bit of a, a hamstring issue over the last few months, which thankfully is like, it's clearing up now just in time. Um, but you know, I had to kind of pull back a little bit on training. We had to do like more with a PT for quite a while now. And so when something's hurting or when I'm a little bit concerned about an ache or a pain here, then yeah, I get a little bit kind of focusing on that because you can kind of play with your stride a little bit to see if you can reduce some of the pressure on it. Um, so yeah, if something's hurting, right, it's a little bit hard to take your, take your mind out of it, which is I think why it's so important to take care of your body when you notice something coming up, because all of a sudden running becomes a lot more of a burden when you can't let your mind flow somewhere and you can't if it's, if something's painful. Yeah, you know, that, that, I guess that's my other kind of generic running question about, you know, those pains and, and when you decide to push through. I'm sure there are certain pains you're just used to now and certain ones that, you know, you all of a sudden realize, whoop, I need to take a break. And, you know, then you have to question how long you're going to take a break for. I mean, how do, how do you deal with that? I mean, are, is, is that a daily thing? Do you wake up to pain? Do you feel the pain every time you run or, or is it pretty, pretty rare now? a little bit of it depends on where I am in my training. So anybody that's ever gone through a marathon block will tell you that there's like that month in the middle where 
you're always a little bit sore. You're always exhausted. Um, getting out the door feels like, yeah, the way I often describe it is like 10 pounds of dirt in a five pound bag. Like everything kind of hurts and doesn't feel great. Um, it's that, that balance between what you need to push through. Cause I think as marathoners, like one of our biggest things we pride ourselves on is the ability to push through pain and sort of bear, bear pain and like the little aches and pains that always kind of come up, like being able to train through that and still get the training done. That is certainly, I think we take that to an extreme a lot of the time. So you'll see a lot of marathoners like, Oh, I've just been running on this bad planter for a month and a half now, hoping it would like go away. Cause sometimes that happens. And then you realize, Oh no, I need to go into the PT. And then the PT is really mad that uh, you took this long to come in for what could have been a minor fix. And now it's going to take an extra couple of weeks to stretch a little bit more. I just need to do a little bit more strength training. It wasn't going away. It wasn't going away. And then I finally went in. So I, I probably left it a little bit too long. And I think that's part of becoming a more sort of mature professional is recognizing that like the maintenance that you need to do both with a massage therapist and a physical therapist and just how much stuff you need to do day to day to keep the tissue happy is a lot more than you, you, you need to, than you, when you're like, yeah, or then you think you need to when you're young and in college or whatever. So, cause I remember in college, it was almost a point of pride to not go into the training room. Cause you know, as soon as you go into the training room, they're going to make you do something you don't really want to do. And if you can push through it, that's, that's better. And that's, that's a terrible philosophy, but you know, that's young, dumb kids for you. Um, so I think I, I emphasize a lot more just the, the day-to-day maintenance and trying to any sort of minor ache or pain, bring it up to someone that really knows what they're talking about, get a second pair of eyes on it. Cause I'm never going to be the most objective person. And I think that's, especially at this level where, you know, if I really had to like give myself my own workouts and kind of get myself fit or whatever, I could probably do that. But the value of having a coach and a strength coach and a physical therapist is kind of like, you need to push yourself, like the pain that you're feeling right now, you need to push through that right now because we know that it's tired or no, we need to pull back. This is a bad kind of pain. It kind of takes you out of the decision process because, you know, one of my things is I always need to be kind of pushing myself to that next level and, and trying to get the most out of myself. And that's not always in my best interest. So having somebody else kind of to have that conversation with is, is also a really important part of the process. Sure. That was very meandering. I think I, no, no, that's, that's why I wanted to ask you though. Did, did I read, did you have some health struggles back in like 2017? The year there where I was dealing with an Achilles issue, which eventually was diagnosed as a, a Haglund's deformity, which is a little bone spur that's right behind where the Achilles tendon inserts at the back of the heel. So anytime I would step like that, that the tendon would kind of rub over that little bit of bone and would just be chronically inflamed. Um, so I was able to get through the, the 2016 trial cycle, but after that I took, um, after the 2016 track trials, I made a deal with myself. Like I'm not going to train or I'm not going to train for anything until my Achilles doesn't hurt anymore. Cause I basically been running for a year on a bad Achilles. that was just getting worse and worse and worse. Didn't really seem to matter what I did. It would always like, I, I could never get full relief. So like, we need to figure this out, but it ended up taking like two and a half years to get anything close to relief. I tried to come back multiple times. Um, so I eventually ended up getting surgery on the Achilles in May of 2018. Um, so they went in and kind of shaved down that little bone spur uh, and then they also took out a little bit of Achilles tissue and they took out the bursts and a couple other things. Um, and so Chicago was actually my first, not my first race back, but my first big thing that I trained for 
after that surgery. So that was, you know, Chicago was a pretty big uh, milestone for me because for a while there, I was a little bit unsure as to whether or not I would ever be able to run competitively again, let alone professionally, let alone at the the level of like a, a major marathon like Chicago. So uh, yeah, I, I crossed that finish line and like hugged my coach and cried a little bit because it was a, it was a pretty emotional time because you know, for a while there I was like, I'm done. I'm done running. This is never going to happen again. And I was able to come back from it. So now you, you pointed out. And, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you too, was you are in Boulder, Colorado. And um, I, I don't know if you've been to the grocery store before where the, the mass shooting happened. Um, just tell me what these last, this last week, two weeks has been like for you uh, being a resident, being a, a member of that community. Yeah. So go there probably once every once a week once every two weeks it's not the main grocery store but i pass it a lot and uh so there's certainly a little bit of surrealness to the whole situation like you see the news coverage and it's like oh crap that's my bank right over there like that's the sandwich shop that i normally go to i i didn't know personally anybody that was injured in the shooting but maggie montoya is part of the local distance running community here she runs for the um Roots running, which is another club team that we have a lot of associations with. And she was a pharmacist. She had to barricade herself into her, like her office with a bunch of other people while 10 people outside were, were massacred. Um, you know, I didn't have like a super personal connection to the situation, but at the same time, like we're just another city in a stupidly long list that has had its sense of security and its sense of safety. And like, is had that destroyed by someone that was able to go in and buy an assault rifle and take it out and, and murder a bunch of people. And so most of what I've been feeling over the last couple of weeks is just like anger and frustration at this sort of our inability to do anything to address what is clearly this massive structural issue um, with our obsession with guns and our, our inability to put even the the most common sense restrictions on people's ability to access it. And it just seems so stupid and wasteful. And I don't know. I just like a week before that, that shooting happened, we had an, an assault rifle ban on the books for Boulder County and it got down by a judge. And like, we keep having these opportunities. We keep getting these, these, warning signs like no we need to take care of this massive tumorous cancer in the middle of american society and we keep not taking that opportunity and these people should be alive because we should have done something about this decades ago and we haven't and it's uh, i feel for the families um i yeah i just sad for the boulder community and frustrated in good ways I know I keep repeating myself there, but like, no, it just, no, yeah. you know, it's, it's so I've, I've, I've covered a lot of mass shootings. I've been, I was in Parkland. I was sent to um, Las Vegas. Um, and so it's from my perspective, you know, from, from the media perspective, we fly in helicopters, come, tents, come up, press conferences happen. You know, we're usually there for about a week, depending how large it is. Um, then, you know, president will come in, say a few words and then gone. Right. But the community still has to deal with this. You know, it's, it's the press may be gone. The news coverage may be gone, but the community, uh, you know, has to, has to stick with and, and live with this. 
you know, moving on for, for years and years and years. And so, you know, you're kind of at the beginning of that and, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how the discussion progresses um, or, or if it progresses. You know, we have, I think, uh, a governor and a state legislature that's pretty open to putting in these kinds of restrictions. I think there is a bill being floated right now um, for an assault weapons ban or, or something along those lines. Um, you know, how useful that's going to be when all the states around us don't have that. And you, know, you can you can go just an hour north or two hours north into Wyoming and probably get one at a gun show and then bring it back. Like how useful that's going to be, I don't know, but it's certainly, you know, getting momentum going and, and trying to get that to happen. I think there will be some sort of response, probably not everything that I would, would hope it's going to be, but you know, like my girlfriend went to the grocery store for the first time a couple of days ago. And like, it was a scary experience and that's like, yeah, you get scared going to the grocery store. You have to be scared going to get your nails done at a massage. Like you have to get scared going to a movie theater. You have to be scared. There's we're slowly taking away all the places in our society where we can feel safe and it's entirely our fault. And I think it's entirely fixable. Like we're one of the, we're the only industrialized nation where this happens. And somehow we just kind of throw up our hands and say like, well, that's the way it is. And clearly it does not have to be that way. It is not that way anywhere else. So we're essentially doing this to ourselves, and it's, I, it just, it's baffling to me. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did I, did you retweet something? Um, is there going to be some kind of run in Boulder? At 5 PM on Saturday night, uh, we're doing a 10 K run. There's going to be an in-person event. Um, but you can also kind of, uh, do it wherever you are. You can, you can download a bib. I can actually pull up the exact details here in a second, but, um, yeah, we're doing 10 kilometers, one kilometer for, for each of the person, people that was, um, was killed. Um, I mean, you don't have to do a 10 K if you want to do 10 minutes, whatever it is, just sort of coming together and, and trying to honor their memory. It's just one of the the many things that are kind of going on in the community to try, try and help us, I guess, show a sense of community, if nothing else, right. It doesn't bring anybody back. Um, they're also, if you go to those websites, um, places you can donate, um, to help the families with, funeral costs and therapy and all the kind of things to help us heal. But um, yeah, so it's just, it's just one of our things. So what does the rest of your 2021 look like heading into July? Then do you have any races? Are you just trying to stay as healthy as possible? What what, what do these next few months look like? So right now I'm signed up for a uh, half marathon in Omaha, Nebraska on April 24th. Um, That's pretty early in my training process. So we're going to treat that a little bit more like kind of a, a tempo with a fast finish, um, which originally sounded great because it was going to be a local half marathon, probably not super competitive. And then everybody in the country is going there. (laughs) Now it's going to be, it's going to be super competitive. So I'll be a little bit in the, a little bit ways in the back. Um, but yeah, we're about four months out, like right now, uh, from the race, which is typically when we start our marathon buildup. So I'm going to be ramping up mileage here and start incorporating the two and a half hour, three hour long run type of thing. I'll probably try and seek, two to three racing opportunities. Again, we tend to emphasize more putting in strong training as opposed to seeking out a lot of race opportunities to probably keep that pretty minimum, especially since for me, kind of the incentive to, to go somewhere as race is, is even less than it normally would be because I have my spot on the team. So risking COVID um, is probably not the, the most worthwhile thing. So one of the reasons we're going to Nebraska is like, I can drive there. Um, I've stayed away from a few racing opportunities that we had because I just didn't feel comfortable flying on a plane. 
Um, you know, once I get the vaccine, you know, that, that sort of thinking might change a little bit. I think we're going to be eligible. My age group is going to be eligible here in Boulder County next week. So hopefully get up, get up on that list. And, you know, once I have the vaccine, I might be a little bit more open to, to seeking out of state opportunities. We're going to need to do something to get, um, acclimated to the, the heat and humidity. So even though we're not racing in Tokyo, we're going to be racing in Sapporo, uh, in Northern Japan. Uh, it's still going to be pretty hot and humid. So, um, we're talking about trying to find someplace we can go. We've bandied around like Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, Virginia, something like that. Maybe I mean, Arizona, but that's dry heat. Like trying to just find someplace where you can go train where it's hot and humid. Cause you know, up here in the mountains, it's great to be at altitude, but at the same time, it's mm-hmm. that was 50 degrees today. And yes, it's sunny, but it's also kind of dry, thin air. And we need to get ready for that kind of hot, humid, heavy stuff. Um, cause that's what the, the racing conditions are going to be like. So there'll probably be at least one, maybe two humidity acclimation trips. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, just good, hard grinding work. Um, there, we still haven't gotten information from USATF as to exactly what travel plans are going to look like. Is there going to be a training camp? Where will the training camp be? How long before the games is it going to be? I mean, honestly, I don't even know, like, am I going to be allowed to go to the opening ceremony? Um, will I even be allowed in Tokyo? Because like I said, my race is in Sapporo. So are they going to let me into the athlete village? A lot of that I think is still being worked out with Japan as, as things become a little bit clearer um, approaching the race. I think once we have our track trials, a lot of these questions are going to be answered a little bit more clearly just because at that point we'll have a full uh, athletics team that needs to, needs to be able to coordinate their stuff. So I imagine this is going to become a lot clearer in the, in the coming months, but for now it's just put my head down four months of hard training and show to the start line, ready to go. If you get vaccinated, if you get, if they open everything up, if there's an Olympic village, if you get to be on the track with, with team USA, anyone who you're eyeing to shake hands with, take pictures with any, uh, you know, team USA athletes from different sports, uh, you'd be anxious to meet with. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the, uh, the gymnastics team. Cause I know that they're going to be the ones getting like all the, the attention. Um, Katie Ledecky, uh, swims for Stanford now, but I remember watching her four years ago. And now like, I can at least say like, I, we have the Stanford connection. She was a lot of fun to watch swim. So yeah, maybe seek her out. We'll get a little Stanford reunion going. That'll get me a lot of, uh, get me into a lot of doors, hopefully. Oh, no, I think how can people, it. how can people follow you? Is there, is, do you have like, do you update much on social media? Do you have some kind of newsletter, some kind of team or anything like that that we can follow? <laughs> Um, at Jake Bill Riley on Instagram and Twitter if you want to come in and follow it's half running stuff and then that, that's, that's about it it's just a little bit of running content thank you Jake we'll continue to follow his progress leading up to the games I'm Ryan Burrow this is Quest for Gold and we'll talk to you next week